21-year-old Jasmine Harrison is alone in the dead of night. She's on a rowing boat in the middle of the Atlantic. I was asleep at this 4am. It was the noise. The noise woke me up first. You could hear it coming. I just knew that that was not a good sound. She'd been rowing for nine weeks and her ears were now used to the sounds of the ocean. But she'd never heard anything like this before. And it's just thunder. Absolute thunder coming towards your boat. You're praying at that point. You're thinking, is this a nightmare? Like, please say that I'm going to wake up and I'm not moving at all and I'm absolutely fine. And this noise just completely smothered Argo, my boat. A colossal wall of water hit her. And it took me and it bounced me across to the side of the cabin. And I remember thinking, and I might even just said it out loud, was, that's it, I'm going over. I'm Rob Pope, and from Red Bull, this is How To Be Superhuman, Series 2. In February 2021, Jasmine Harrison, at the ripe old age of 21, became the youngest woman ever to row the Atlantic solo. I'll repeat that, she was 21. She was a part-time bartender and swimming teacher when she decided to enter the prestigious Atlantic Challenge. It's a 3,000-mile-plus stretch from the Canary Islands to Antigua across one of the most ferocious bodies of water in the world. It's the toughest rowing race out there, and it's usually preserved of strapping six-foot-six posh lads. Jasmine came across the race, however, by chance. She grew up in Yorkshire, and at 16, she started working as a swimming teacher. And by the time she was 19, she'd saved up enough money to leave God's country for a bit and see the world. And then went straight to the Caribbean and I was in Antigua and that's where I saw the finish line. And I said, I'm going to do that one day. <laughs> the thing is, it's all well and good saying, I'm going to do that one day. Well, you know, I've seen the heavyweight championship boxing fights. <laughs> I've seen the FA Cup final. And it's all well and good saying, I want to do that. But you saw it. Like, what kept your motivation high to want to do it? Because, you know, sort of uh, the ideas always seemed good at the time. Mm. Well, it took me a year for it to sort of mull over and for me to keep on doing some other travelling. And so on a brilliant day. And then I just sat there and I was like, I've had a perfect time. I've made some new friends. I've gone exploring. I've had a really, really good day. Why do I feel like I need change? And I was just, it was really, really bugging me. I was like, something needs to change. Though she was only 21, Jasmine was looking for something more. Something a bit... Deeper. Well, the Atlantic's probably deep enough. So I literally went back to the hostel and I was straight onto the internet. I was just like, right, I've entered it. That's it. She'd signed up for a 3,000-mile race across the Atlantic. I've always been a fan of true adventure, a genuine voyage into the unknown. I think that's pretty much as close as you can get these days. Now, most people enter the Atlantic Challenge with somebody else or a team. Jasmine entered it as a solo competitor. There was no going back now. 
as soon as Jasmine came back to Yorkshire from her travels, she started preparing for the challenge of a lifetime. How did you go about it? You know, like sort of, did you even row? Did I even row? Of course I rode. Um, no, I didn't. Not one little part of me had been on a rowing boat before I started this adventure. She'd never rowed before. That's a bit like getting in the ring with Mike Tyson, having never thrown a punch in anger. But that didn't phase her. It was then just building up my strength and actually getting my body ready to be battered by the sea. So I kind of was like, I don't want to be skinny. Like, I don't want to have the normal sort of lanky body that I always have. I want to build up strength. She got a personal trainer. And when lockdown first hit in March 2020, he just gave her the keys to the gym. So I was going every single day, doing deadlifts, doing squats. Pulling a cart with heavy weights on, stints on the rowing machine. I did 120 hours out on the water before I set off as well. And that was the best training because what more perfect training can you get than actually doing what you would be doing? 120 hours doesn't seem that long to me. Not when you think of the lifetime some of the other competitors had spent in a rowboat. But Jasmine wasn't comparing herself to other people because she was doing this for herself. When December the 12th, 2020 came around and Jasmine sat in a 21-foot long boat, her home for the next couple of months, she felt ready. After all that preparation, the training, the getting sponsors, the sheer discipline of going through with an idea you had around two years ago, Jasmine was in a way relieved she'd made it to the starting line. But a start was not what she'd expected. Maybe it's a little bit like that feeling when you're dreading an exam, but as soon as you're sat in the chair and you have to start writing, you know, sort of all those all those worries evaporate away. Yeah. And so, like, when you took your first stroke, what did you think to yourself? I thought I was maybe going to get seasick, like all the different rumours and things. If you've never been seasick before, you will be on a rowing boat when you get out to sea, like 100% put on seasickness patches and you'll be okay. And I put them on. And they basically messed with my head. She started hallucinating. I saw different people. They were on my boat. Um, so there was other competitors just came and stood there and were just talking to me. And it was only when I asked them to do something that then they vanished. I was like, oh, OK. But there was an even bigger problem. The main thing was actually that I couldn't see. I'd lost close-range vision. It was so blurry that I couldn't see my navigation. So I didn't actually know where I was going and because I couldn't see my compass readings either. So I was genuinely just rowing wherever. Jasmine was just rowing in whichever direction the boat was going. She was off to a terrible start, way behind schedule, and the hallucinations started getting worse. One night was so bad that I couldn't see where I was going. But I was convinced, because I was hallucinating, that I had an island just to the right of me and that I had a floating city on the other side of me. And I was in a channel and I needed to stay and get through this channel. And in my head, I needed to turn off up that direction over there. But I was stuck. I couldn't figure out how to get out of this sort of black hole I was in. 
and suddenly there was a cliff here and it was really scary and I was literally went in circles just trying to stay still to not hit this imaginary land for an entire night long and it was awful. She took the seasickness patches off. Her vision returned to normal and the hallucinations stopped. Now, with a clear head, Jasmine managed to get rowing in the right direction and get into a routine. So it's wake up, I'll be hungry, excellent, right, snack bars, here we go. And then I would lie there going, I should probably get up and row right now. Don't be fooled by a casual tone. Though she may have enjoyed her lions, Jasmine put in an average of 50 miles a day. And when the weather was all right, the monotonous nature of rowing gave her space to think in a way that she'd never been able to as a mere mortal back on land. What did you think about? <sighs> I thought about a lot. I um, My biggest thing was actually just declutter my mind. Um, so... I overthink a lot anyway about different scenarios. You know, when you you think back to like something maybe daft that you did or something stupid you said maybe five years ago and then you just, oh my God, that was so embarrassing, you know? And actually nobody cares, nobody remembers. So it's just like, take that out of my brain and leave it in the sea. So figuratively take it out and throw it overboard and off it goes. And I, I can see this imaginary thing. I can see it just drifting away in the waves I've not actually chalked out anything, so don't worry about that. Um, and I'm just watching, I'm like, cool, right, never going to worry about that anymore. That's gone. By decluttering her mind, Jasmine was able to focus on the task at hand. Now, I found it fascinating that many of our guests have spoken of similar states, almost like a meditation, where they've been able to block out outside distractions and even imminent danger. I guess it's probably like a protective mechanism and you could certainly call it a superhuman trait. And by not worrying about what the ocean was going to do next, I think Jasmine gave herself a massive advantage. So while she was throwing bad thoughts into that ocean, Jasmine got to know it. The Atlantic is the brightest, deepest blue you've ever seen. Um, it's incredible. You can see so far, but there's also nothing to see, so you can't tell how far you can see. But it's only when a dolphin's underneath you, and actually it's a long way away, and you can still see it, it's sort of, you get that scale. The surface is just so reflective. Like, you can see every single cloud, you can see the sun bouncing off it in every different way, and it shimmers, and it, it has a life. It really does. To me, I was on a different ocean every day. Like, you could tell within a day you'd be rowing for an hour and then suddenly something would change, something would shift so quickly. When that thing is the weather, that can be bad, bad news. Two weeks in, around New Year's Eve, Jasmine got hit with terrible weather. It was stormy and the currents were strong. She needed to head south, but the Atlantic kept pushing the boat north 
and Jasmine found herself fighting a powerful beast. And I was just like screaming at the sea, just please, just help me out a little bit. Jasmine had to keep rowing through the night. If she wanted to stay on course, she couldn't let go of the oars. As soon as the sun started rising, oh, for God's sake, you've left your glasses in your cabin. That means you have to drop the oars, stand up, pick up your seat pad, open the cabin door, get your glasses. It's the fact that every time you let go of the oars, the boat swings round and you start getting blown in the opposite direction. And for me to physically like row on one arm to turn back into the direction that I need to go and then build up that momentum again, it's a long time. And you've gone backwards in that time as well. So every mm. small little thing, if you want to stop to take a drink, you've gone backwards. If you want to literally pause for a second to have a bite to eat, you've gone backwards. Imagine being in a race where not only your competitors are disappearing into the distance, but so is the course. And in the Atlantic, it's not just the weather that can turn on you. Just over a month in, Jasmine is asleep in her cabin and she hears her AIS, that's alert incoming ship alarm, go off. It makes a, an alert to tell me that there's an incoming ship and I wake up to it, look at my navigation systems to be able to tell me whereabouts this boat is and how big it is, how fast it's travelling and just information like that. That wasn't unusual. In fact, it was what it was there for. But this time the alarm sounded. Jasmine got a more brutal wake-up than she would have liked. And I realised that this boat was really, really close to me. It alerted me when we had six minutes till impact. Six minutes. It was a huge boat. She was barely awake and she was going to have to act quickly because otherwise the boat would just run her over. And that would mean Jasmine wouldn't be long for this world. And it was going quite quickly. And you think, I need to wake up, actually see the boat, register in my own brain that it is a problem. Then put a safety harness on, get out onto deck. Clip myself and then look at where it is, see what I can do. I had to then try and radio them, put out a emergency on the system saying, I'm here, please don't hit me. But they didn't respond, so I was like, okay. All this decision-making and doing is happening within seconds. If the other big boat isn't responding, the only thing Jasmine can do is turn her own boat in another direction. I need to head south because then they would avoid me, I thought, as long as I can move. She started rowing for her life, but there was a swell and she soon realised that pulling as hard as she might, it wasn't going to save her. She decided to try to reach the big boat one last time. I radioed them again and they responded and so they changed their course and they were 0.2 miles off from impact when they changed their course. That's just 320 metres and a boat that big takes a long time to turn. It doesn't take very long to get there so that's how close it was and that was really scary. I find Jasmine's calm and ability to think logically throughout this situation where she might, you know, die in six minutes, pretty remarkable. They say you never know how you're going to react in a crisis, but I feel like I'd probably 100% just panic. But then again, you never know. Jasmine had developed a technique 
to get her through difficult situations like these. It's like I was in an exam or something and I was talking myself through it. Um, a bit of a quiz saying, okay, now what would you do? And then, But I was in that situation. I'm thinking I would go on deck. Okay, let's go on deck. And I was talking it out loud and I was speaking to the camera at the same time. And now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that um, was sort of the way I dealt with it. At this point, it might sound like Jasmine's time at sea was purely an exercise in crisis management. But she had a moment of pure bliss as well. After all, that's what kept her going. The sun was setting, so my favourite time of the evening, and it was completely flat calm. And this big pod of dolphins came up, like right next to my boat, swimming all around me, diving about, and it was just beautiful. And I just watched them go, I want to be like you. Like, that is just so cool. Like, watch them just have a laugh with each other. And there was different, like, types of dolphins. Some were, like, speckly. Some were like, were divided, like, with a um, darker on top and lighter underneath. And it was just, wow. And there was one of them in particular that was just so much more playful than the others, even though the others were. And as he was swimming away, he jumped out of the water. Like, it was like they were putting on a show for me. Jumped so high, like, cleared. It looked like a metre plus fully out the water and, like, spun around and splat back down. And it was literally like he was doing it for me. It was just absolutely incredible to watch that and to just feel like you're part of it. It makes you feel like the ocean has accepted you. My good mate Forrest, when he was running through Glacier National Park, said that he couldn't tell where the heavens stopped and the earth began. It was so beautiful. And after being alone in the ocean for months, rowing for hours and hours a day, Jasmine had found what she'd come out here for. A sense of self. And now she was nine weeks into the race, about a week away from Antigua, the finish line, where three years ago she saw people getting off their boats, exhausted but happy. The very scene that inspired her to enter this race in the first place. The last week I was really, um, I could, was so comfortable obviously, I'd been at sea for nine weeks and I was just come a little bit like blase with everything. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to finish soon. I'm going to finish. I knew when I was going to come in. I said, right, okay, I'm coming in on that Saturday morning. I'm definitely going to do it. That's my aim. That's my target. Nothing's going to stop me. And then it was two days before I was due to finish. It was a Thursday night. Um, I was asleep. It was 4am. Everything bad happened at 4am. It was a rough day, previous anyway, and it was a rough night. Like, yeah, I called it being punched by a wave. The wave would just hit you at the side and it would bounce you across your cabin. Um, and that happened quite a lot. And I'd just been, oh, for God's sake, I need to sh shuffle myself back, you know. Um, but then there was one that I was asleep at this 4am and this huge wave, it was the noise. The noise woke me up first. You could hear it coming. And by that point, I'm so tuned into the ocean, into it, I just knew that that was not a good sound. And it's just thunder. Absolute thunder coming towards your boat and coming towards you. 
Jasmine can't see anything. She doesn't have a window in her cabin, and so she's still not sure what's going on. And it's the middle of the night, and I'm still... I still had my eyes shut, you know, I'm, I'm asleep, I just hear it, and it's almost, you're praying at that point, you're thinking, is this a nightmare? Like, please say that I'm going to wake up, and I'm not moving at all, and I'm absolutely fine. And this noise just completely smothered Argo, my boat, and I remember thinking, and I might have even just said it out loud, was, that's it, I'm going over. Next thing she knows, she's flung to the other side of the cabin. Everything just happened so quickly. I was like, I remember hitting my head. I remember that almost like taste of blood in the back of your mouth when you hit your head so hard on something. Then she was tossed back to the other side again. But in a tumult, everything had moved. And she realised the boat had capsized. There was just... Stuff was everywhere. Because the thing is, you don't just roll over... I was moving with the wave as well. So my speed I got to moving forwards was 19.2 knots which is over 20 miles an hour, which is really, really quick on water. Jasmine kept getting thrown around. So I ended up smacking my shoulder when I landed back down on on something, and I hit my elbow, and my elbow was so bad, I literally couldn't bend my arm. So now, in the middle of all this, Jasmine's only got one fully functional arm, and she's still got a week's worth of rowing left. Ow. That hurts. Everything hurts. Why? Why now? But the thing is, I need to think, I've I've still got to make it to land. I was still 100 miles away. She is so close to the finish line. But there were no guarantees. It was a big capsize. And she was worried that she'd lost the equipment she needed to get her to shore. Were it all still there? Was the life raft still on deck? The boat righted itself and she managed to get up on deck. Oars were completely, they were still attached, or completely upside down, wrong way up, like, I was like, oh, right, okay, good, they're there, let's adjust them, put them back. My life raft had got shifted, um, and I was like, right, okay, move that back, tie that on properly. My water bottles were, were all attached, everything's attached on deck. This was extremely lucky, because most of equipment was still intact, and she had the wherewithal to check everything. Did you train for that? Were you aware of what you should do? Like you know, you know when you go kayaking and they teach you to roll over and then like roll back, roll back at yourself vertical. Like, can you do that in a rowing boat before you set off? Um, you know, it's just one of them things that you're not gonna prepare for it. You know, I mean, it's just you do it. It's like. I imagine something off like childbirth, okay? You're not going to um, <laughs> practice giving birth to a baby before you give birth to yeah. a baby. You know, <laughs> like, it just it's something that you're just going to do and you're going to deal with when it happens. Um, and so that's what having the capsize and things are like. Yeah, think about it in your head, but it is just, no matter how much training or prep you do for it, it's what your natural instinct is. You can't... In a situation like that, there's nothing else you can do other than your immediate reaction. And I remember sitting back on my boat and I was like, okay, I know that was scary because my leg is just shaking and it wouldn't stop shaking. It was bouncing up and down. And that's how I know that there's something scary has happened or adrenaline as my body reacts. Mm -hmm. Even if my brain hasn't got into or like computed what's happened my body it tells me so that's the adrenaline yeah and i'm shaking i'm literally shaking for sure Mm. so it just says do not bother the brain with this it does not want to know about it otherwise they'll realize (laughs) they're suddenly in the middle of the atlantic after the boat had capsized 
Jasmine only had a week left at sea. Despite the aftershock and an injured elbow, she was determined to make it to the finish and she decided to make the most of her final days. I was just like, okay, this is just beautiful and actually I had a really nice night. It was, it was really squally, like, because the weather was bad. So it was rain everywhere, but it was so patchy, you could see them all surrounding. And in one evening, and it made the sky so beautiful blue, it was just insane. And I was just looking at her, wow, I'm so lucky. I don't want to finish, but I'm like, I can't bend my arm. I'm in so much pain. I'm really hungry. I'm tired. I want to be there, but look at that sky. If it sounds like she's starting to get slightly delirious after spending too long at sea, wait until you hear this. So as you get a lot closer to land, there was um, sargassum seaweed and it just was in massive chains and just lines of yellow seaweed. So I was just in my head, I'm like, follow, 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 follow the yellowweed road. Um, <laughs> all the time, I got stuck in my head for days. And I was just like, oh my gosh, get me to land. I do not want to see that seaweed anymore. 70 days after she set off from the Canary Islands and three years after she saw people get off their boats on that finish line, Jasmine Harrison completed her epic solo journey across the Atlantic. At 21 years old, she was the youngest woman ever to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jasmine made it across the Atlantic Ocean. Let's give her a big hand. So when she got on land for the first time, her legs wobbly as hell. I've seen the footage. She was presented with a world record. Yeah, it wasn't quite real. I didn't actually think about the scale of what a world record actually means. Um, so t- then you think, hang on, there's how many billion people on the planet? Then to this and then to that. And it was only seeing the video footage of me stood there or the photo of me holding a banner that said New World Record. Like, I couldn't even read it. You know what I mean? I'm looking at what's happening and I'm holding this banner. I had no idea what my banner... I thought it said, I rode the Atlantic because that's what other people have. Didn't realise it was a New World Record. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, cool. And then it's when it's like, wow, I'm holding that. That is cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I was reading that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, it's still not sunk in though. And I would hope that just that world record would inspire more other people to want to do it um, younger and being a solo female. So that was sort of the aim with that. That's the thing. You looked fairly Olympian, in my opinion, when you were off that boat, but you're you're certainly a breath of fresh air for the sport of rowing, I think, you know, because you're not that sort of old Etonian sort of, you know, let's do the boat race thing. You're showing that rowing, and not necessarily just rowing, but also adventure is accessible to anybody. All you've got to do is make that decision and tell everybody you're going to do it. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) If it's something you want to do, just literally go and do it. Now that is a story that's against all odds. Jasmine's clearly full of surprises and I'm really looking forward to seeing what she's got next for us. Please send us your own superhuman tales because we want to hear what you guys have been up to. Please remember, follow the podcast, rate it and leave a great review because it helps other people discover the show. We really appreciate it when you share the love with us. 
Finally, if you want more from the series, like articles or pictures, just head to redbull.com superhuman. Next time on How to Be Superhuman, it's the story of the first woman to free climb El Capitan's Golden Gate in under 24 hours. I've never experienced it before. The like flow state sort of kicked in and it was like I wasn't in my body. I was just there like sort of floating outside of it, like watching myself climb and, and almost wondering why I was still holding on. <laughs>